0: Welcome Welcome to to The Mixtape, a podcast that delves into all things music. Join host Mia Esperanza as she takes you on a journey through the world of sound and rhythm, exploring the latest trends, classic favorites, and hidden gems in the music industry. From rock and roll to country and blues, from pop to classical, Mia will share her passion for music with you and give you a new appreciation for the art that moves us. So sit back, turn up the volume, let's get ready to rock. This This is the the Mixtape.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Mia Esperanza, and I am the host of The Mixtape. I just wanted to welcome you to our new podcast episode, and today we are going to be talking about MTV, the music channel that revolutionized the television industry and created a new cultural phenomenon. In this episode, we will explore the launch and the history of MTV and its overall impact on pop culture and the music industry and how it's shaped the youth culture of the 1980s and realistically beyond. So for context, I am 23 years old. I was not around for the launch and kind of the legacy that was built by MTV in the early 1980s. But talking to my parents, some of my friends, aunts, uncles, MTV in itself was beyond iconic and the launch of MTV is something that so many people remember and it is such a big deal and just kind of the culture that MTV created is something that I really want to dive into today. So we're going to start with the birth of MTV. We're going to start by setting the stage for the launch in 1981. We're going to talk about the origin story of MTV, how it was conceived, the challenges, and overall just its early rise in the 1980s and ultimately how it changed the cultural, the social, and overall the entire music industry landscape of the United States. The launch of MTV helped cultivate the rise of new wave, punk, alternative music, and helped our classic rock generation just really take off. Meanwhile the music video in itself was an emerging and powerful tool for promoting and popularizing different music. Now, at the same time, the United States, pop culture, we were going through a lot of technological and social changes, and one of those was cable television. At this time, cable TV was really beginning to skyrocket, and more and more households began subscribing to cable services. There was a growing demand for new, exciting programming that just can't be found on traditional broadcast networks. So you would see the typical CNN, NPR, kind of news shows over and over and over again. If it wasn't a movie, there was some show programming, but pop culture really didn't become as hefty a piece of our lives until the 1980s and MTV sure had a lot to do with that. At this same time, cable television was just beginning to take off. With more and more households subscribing to cable services and diving into pop culture in itself as a growing phenomenon, there was a growing demand for new and exciting programming that just wasn't going to be found on your traditional broadcast networks. At this time, they had 24-hour news services, some movie streaming, and some general sitcoms, but nothing was around dedicated to music. Against this backdrop, a group of media executives and entrepreneurs came up with an audacious idea to launch a 24-hour music channel. They called it MTV, short for music television, which has developed into the iconic broadcast network that we are all familiar with today. Now at this point, the idea was beyond simple, just a channel that would feature absolutely nothing else but music videos, and this would run 24 hours a day. And wow, how much has MTV changed and developed? Now it's like they don't even talk about music anymore, but we're gonna talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. The founders of MTV believed that this specific format would be a game changer. It would offer a completely new way for audiences to experience music, and you have to also remember this was a time period without cell phones, without your iPad, without a computer, so music videos and whatnot were not immediately accessible to the public in the same kind of instant gratification way that we have access to pop culture and media now. So for them to have access to music videos, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it was definitely a step up in the game. Something as simple as that ended up being a really difficult task. So the founders extremely struggled with getting the entire channel off the ground and overall the project just was not easy. The founders had to convince not only cable providers to carry their channel, but then they had to negotiate licensing deals with record labels and then figure out how to produce and broadcast a consistent non-stop stream of music videos because of the fact that they were dedicated to this 24-7 kind of format. So this stuff had to be going absolutely non-stop, constantly, and they had to navigate all of the licensing, the cable providers, and all of that stuff on top of it. Now, although it was extremely difficult to get off the ground, and there was challenges involved, MTV ended up launching on August 1st, 1981, and they went out with a bang. So, actually, it was right after the stroke of midnight on August 1st, and the first video, this is one of my favorite parts of the story, but the first video to actually air on MTV was Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles, a song that seemed to perfectly capture the spirit of the new medium. So Video Killed the Radio Star, if any of you have, if you're my age and you've played Just Dance, you have definitely heard the song and played with the song on your Wii like I did with me and my little brother growing up. Video Killed the Radio Star was exactly that. It sung about how TV, television, the big screen, the silver screen. It was killing music and it was killing radio because you had this new visual medium to something that was just strictly audio, kind of like what this podcast is. And so the whole idea behind it was video was going to do away completely with the radio. At least the song was based. At least the song was based on kind of the notion that this video and visual medium would overshadow the overtly audio version of the medium. And so with MTV being a channel that both captured music and celebrated video and kind of perpetuated the music video as a tool and a promotional medium for advertisers and record labels, it was kind of the perfect kickstart to kind of have that nod to video killing the radio star and video being the next big thing and from its launch in august 1981 mtv just took off within just a few years it had become literally one of the most influential cultural forces of the decade and the following decades and it shaped the tastes attitudes and really influenced millions of young people across America and across the globe, especially when it came to the music industry. But with success, there's always gonna be some doubters and some cons that come along with the pros. Because of this success, MTV, of course, dealt with controversy. Critics consistently argued that the channel was contributing to the decline of musical quality into the decline of artistry so it really kind of set the standard that what you look like in your video and this commercialized type of music is going to be what works because that's going to be what MTV puts out. And because of this they were accused of consistently promoting image over substance and encouraging a shallow materialistic and realistically kind of cookie cutter type of sound when it came to the music that they were picking. MTV continued to thrive and evolve throughout the 1980s and beyond, pretty consistently into the 90s. And it is known for launching the careers of countless artists, helped popularize new genres of music, and as we know now, it has spawned a new type of brand when it comes to reality television. So MTV really shaped pop culture as a whole. It has its hands in a little bit of everything. And for the sake of this podcast, of course, we are going to stay mostly on the music side of things when it comes to music television. But the founders of MTV were a group of media executives and entrepreneurs who were really looking for the sort of niche that was not yet discovered when it came to cable television. They saw the opportunity to take music and push it to the forefront of broadcasting and create this television channel that would be dedicated to music videos. So, these key figures involved were Bob Pittman, John Lack, Tom Freston, and Robert W. Pittman. Bob Pittman was a media executive who had previously worked for Warner Communications and he helped launch the cable networks, HBO, and the movie channel. John Lack was a programming executive, and he had actually worked for CBS and NBC. And Tom Preston was a marketing executive who had worked for the music label, Warner Brother Records. And Robert W. Pittman was a young media entrepreneur who had previously co-founded a radio station in Pittsburgh. So it was these four men that kind of developed the team and the image behind MTV. And because of their respective industries, they each kind of brought a unique skill set and experience to the table that lended itself to really getting MTV off the ground. Together, they definitely thought that the idea and the conception of a 24-hour music channel would just be a game changer and that it would be a completely new way for people to experience music literally at any point during the day. So you wouldn't have to wait for a specific time to enjoy MTV because it was going to be consistently rolling. Now, people really credit the success, especially the success of the launch of MTV, to a large part the vision and the determination that these founders and this core group of men really brought to the table because they saw an opportunity to create something new, exciting, that wasn't available before, and they, all in, were willing to take risks and work hard to make that happen and to kind of close that gap that they ended up identifying in the market. And now they have this ginormous legacy that is a television channel that didn't just revolutionize the music industry, which would have already been, which would have already have been a big enough accomplishment in itself, but really they shaped culture, pop culture, and the landscape of the 1980s and beyond. Now, obviously in the early years, MTV and the channel and kind of the medium in itself was a phenomenon. It was a new kind of television programming specifically dedicated to bolstering the music industry but the impact beyond that was simply profound because of how much it shaped tastes and attitudes of an entire generation and because of that it ended up playing a pivotal role in the careers of some of the biggest if not the biggest stars in music and one of the key elements of MTV's early years was the rise of what was called VJs, or video jockeys. So essentially a disc jockey, but for MTV, because of the fact that their format was almost purely visual. So these guys were your hosts, kind of like me, except in the visual format. They would introduce music videos and provide commentary, and they would even be lucky enough to do interviews with artists. Something that I can... Only hope and aspire to be able to do, but the first five VJs were Mark Goodman, Nina Blackwood, Alan Hunter, JJ Jackson, and Martha Quinn. So these guys, because of their work on MTV, they quickly became household names and became on-air personalities that helped MTV kind of turn into this more of a community rather than just a show where people were talking at you. It was a very interactive kind of experience where instead of just pumping out music videos and just letting them loop 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 all the time, we had people to kind of guide you through the music. You were able to experience it with someone else even if they didn't know who you were. So the first music videos to actually air on MTV outside of obviously the first one, Video Killed the Radio Star, they did a really good job to mix the genres, mix the styles, and make sure that they had a little bit of something that catered to a multitude of people. Some of these music videos and the music in general were beyond groundbreaking, exciting, and different, while many others that they ended up putting in the set list were your typical cookie cutter conventional type of stuff that arguably we would now experience even more than you would at that time in the 1980s. Because of this, they did all have something in common and that was the visual element that made them stand out from traditional radio and even television broadcasts. Outside of Video Killed the Radio Star, You Better Run by Pat Benatar was very popular on MTV, and She Won't Dance With Me by Rod Stewart were actually some of the earliest videos that ran. And obviously the impact that this had on the music industry was immediate. It was so quick and it was far reaching. It was almost like a bomb went off in the music industry that just set the world on fire. The channel helped to launch the career of many artists, including Michael Jackson, Madonna, and even Prince. These artists were beyond creative and they really cultivated and captured the power of music videos in a creative way that helped create iconic visuals and defined their image and their music. Michael Jackson as a whole would probably be the best example of this. Jackson's Thriller? Yeah, the Thriller, the, what, 8-10 minute long music video, was actually part of a groundbreaking launch on MTV, and this music video became an instant classic, and unbiasedly, it remains one of the most iconic music videos of all time because of that cinematic approach to the element of music videos and to cultivating a story surrounding the song that was already there. And because of the iconicness of Thriller. Now, of course, Michael Jackson, he already was becoming a household name. He was already on that sort of climb to the top. But when Thriller came out, it was like he just jolted into superstardom because of it. And in 1983, Thriller just propelled Jackson even further into the spotlight because of the help of a channel like MTV. MTV also played an important role in breaking down barriers that were involved in the music industry in the first place. It helped promote genres of music that hadn't really gotten a spotlight yet, such as hip hop and alternative rock, both of which really were propelled by the launch of MTV in the 1980s and were continued to be supported and sustained throughout kind of the original type of reign that MTV had into the early 90s. In the early years, MTV was a cultural force because of how it transformed the music industry and the way that people ended up consuming music its impact can still be felt today, because if you talk to anyone, my parents, my aunts and uncles, anyone who was around during that time, I was born in 1999, so I did miss that part. If you talk to people who were around in that time period, they tell you about the launch of MTV, and they tell you about the launch of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Just today, before I started recording this episode, my dad told me about how when he was in middle school, He remembers everybody running to the TV to watch Thriller because it was so cinematic, it was so iconic, and it was so impactful that it had not been done before. And so for MTV to already be doing something that wasn't done before with a medium that people were not familiar with, and then for someone like Michael Jackson to capitalize it even further, it's just such an important part of music history. You have to remember that at this point in time, music videos were not plentiful, like they are today. It's not like you could just get on YouTube and Google your favorite artist and watch any and every music video that you could possibly want, because they just were not done that often. Artists would put out their music and then that was their creative art form. That was their outlet. The record was, and the music was. And so for there to be a visual component, that was a whole new layer to the art. And especially, in the beginning of the 80s, MTV had a major issue trying to find music videos because of the fact that there were not a lot of them. And so this channel had to run 24/7 with only realistically a few videos at their disposal. When they were kind of creating the idea for the channel, it was assumed that record companies would be able to just give over the licensing because it's free promotion. And of course, things aren't always that easy. And a lot of record companies in America didn't even believe in MTV and were not willing to provide music videos at their own cost, especially in the early years. So because of this, a vast majority in a bulk of the music videos that MTV ended up playing within those first few years came from Europe, where record companies ended up making short promotional films for their artists anyway, to be played on video jukeboxes, which was kind of the new technology at the time. And at that point, only about 250 music videos were being played over a 24 hour period. And the early artists of MTV got a lot of exposure, consistently not- and this wasn't because these artists were the best of the best, realistically, it was because there was really a combination of the need for repetition and desperation for content that was going to be running. As MTV ended up growing in its popularity and its reach, like everything that grows, it evolved and expanded its programming beyond music videos, which is arguably one of the saddest things that could have happened to a purely music video channel. And since its inception in 1981, the channel has evolved and expanded its programming to the point where original programming marked a turning point in the channel's identity, in the channel's identity, and cultural significance. One of the first breakout shows outside of music on MTV was called The Real World, and it debuted in 1992. So this show followed a group of young adults living together in a house, and it quickly became a sensation. The real world was groundbreaking for its time because it was realistically one of the first reality shows on television. This is something that we talked a little bit about in my current master's degree program, and we were talking about the conception of reality shows and when broadcast networks were looking to garner attention during the day they would run focus groups and ask people what do you want to see on tv and a lot of the same stuff kept coming up and that was people were looking for ordinary people like themselves but in extraordinary situations and if you think about it that sounds a whole heck of a lot like reality tv but this kind of show the real world it gave viewers a glimpse into the lives of real people, and it tackled a ton of social issues that weren't really talked about at the time, such as race and drug use. The real world set the stage for the reality TV boom of the late 1990s and the early 2000s where it just really took off. Another iconic show that helped define MTV's identity was Beavis and Butthead. It premiered in 1993, and the series followed two teenage delinquents. loved heavy metal music and were obsessed with watching music videos, which is a little bit on the nose for a channel that was outright dedicated to the running of music videos. It was completely controversial for its irreverent humor and its portrayal of consistent teenage rebellion, which is what MTV is probably better known for because of its constant streaming on MTV it also had a significant impact on pop culture. In the early 2000s, MTV continued and continued to expand the programming with shows like The Osbournes, which followed the daily lives of a heavy metal icon, Ozzy Osbourne himself and his family. And this show was beyond huge. The Osbournes, although it was just another reality show that gave a glimpse into the lives of celebrities, it was also, meant to be satire. The show was n- most notable probably for its humor and its ability to poke fun at the conventions of reality TV. It both capitalized on reality TV and made fun of it in a way that kind of let MTV and the Osbournes laugh at themselves. And in its most recent years, MTV continues and continues to expand into shows like Teen Mom and Jersey Shore and... I live in Panama City and we even had a version of Jersey Shore that popped up just within the past few years. I haven't really watched it if you guys want to give me your hot take on what was it called? I think it was called Floribama Shore. These shows captured the attention of a ton of viewers including younger ones and even now their annual video music awards continue to remain a cultural touchstone so although they have delved deep into the reality TV sector, it is cool to see that they still prioritize at least a little bit the Video Music Awards as kind of a nod to the original founding of the program. And it continues to show music videos, although not on a consistently regular basis but it also has reality shows and scripted series to go along with it. And the evolution of MTV over the past four decades continues to be a testament to the channel's ability to adapt and reinvent itself. It's remained relevant by constantly pushing boundaries and realistically experimenting with new formats and genres. Now, although MTV consistently was able to adapt, they definitely had some challenges when it came down to it. In its heyday, it was the go-to destination for music lovers and anyone interested in any kind of music-related programming. It became the launch pad for many artists, but as the 21st century continued to develop, MTV faced significant challenges because of the adaptation that they needed to make in order to keep up with the changing media landscape in the audience demographics so for the first time in a long time mtv had to realize really quickly that the technology on the rise was putting them almost out of business they were the lone music video provider for a long time and now if you think about this time period so 2023 I've got a computer in my pocket that can do anything and more than what MTV was able to offer at that point. So it was really important for them to be able to stand on their own two feet and keep on moving and changing with the time, whether we agree with how they did it or not. One of the most significant challenges facing MTV was the rise of digital media. Because of the advent of the internet social media, streaming platforms, music fans just really didn't need MTV anymore to tune into music videos or to really discover new artists. With that, it's eroded MTV's status as the must-be and premier destination for music videos and music-related content. And although they had these challenges, they were forced to adapt. They embraced new technologies and platforms. MTV is very active on social media. And the move towards social media and online video has been a big push in keeping the network alive. And while these are all valiant efforts, MTV's place in contemporary pop culture is super uncertain because of the fact that they had to take that major pivot away from music and the network still has a dedicated fan base it just no longer occupies nearly the same kind of cultural space and specs that it did in the 1980s and the 1990s but it's interesting to see what remains consistent when it comes to mtv and what remains important to their viewership and it's right in the name it's music my favorite part when it comes to the mixtape is when we get to dig into these little details that a lot of people don't know about when it comes to mtv i'm sure that i've touched on at least a little bit of some of the topics that we are not familiar with but this whole next section of the podcast is going to be dedicated to the things that you probably didn't know about mtv and its launch something really interesting to me is the time frame that mtv had to be ready in they had just seven months to get MTV ready. The Warner board said no to the original pitch to launch a 24 hour music video channel. And they turned it down because of the fact that they really positioned it as, here we go, radio with pictures. And although that can seem incredibly exciting, if that was the entire meat of their pitch, I totally understand why they got turned down in the first run. After a little bit of executive wrangling, MTV was approved on the provision that it would be extremely cheap to run because, you know, those record companies should totally just provide music videos for free, which we all know is not the case. MTV was eventually approved for launch in January 1981. The founders only had seven months to build it because Warner wanted it on air during the summer, which is where they said most fads and most trends really began to take off in the 1980s. They wanted teenagers and college students who were returning home from their summer break to only be talking about MTV when they got home. Something else that's really interesting is that MTV lost $50 million in its first year. But it was saved from bankruptcy by just one buck. Just one buck. That's it. A singular dollar. One George Washington ended up saving music television from bankruptcy. Now 250 music videos in general just was not going to sustain MTV long term. So. They needed to convince record companies to spend ton of money making these extravagant videos that just were not a part of the medium at that time so that they could expand to their own roster and appeal of their own channel. So not only were they having to spend money on these videos and purchase them from the record companies because lord knows they weren't giving them up for free, but they had to spend money to convince these record labels to make these videos and spend their own money to invest in MTV. So it was really just this consistent uphill battle when it came to the viewership and expanding the video profile of MTV. The big wigs at MTV figured that they really needed to get their channel into more homes. So they came up with an advertising campaign consisting of just four words. I want my MTV. They needed a big name to deliver the line, and through a series of connections, they landed a meeting with Mick Jagger. The MTV bosses flew to meet with Jagger, who told him the Rolling Stones just really don't do commercials, and then one of the reps called the singers bluff by pointing out that the Rolling Stones literally did a tour that was sponsored by a perfume company, which in itself is a commercial. And then Jagger had to kind of pull a fast one and he was like, well, you know, we really don't do commercials unless we were paid just a lot of money. And so they just didn't have the budget to secure the services of the Rolling Stones. Someone who was a little bit cocky ended up throwing down a $1 bill and told Jagger that that was all they could afford. Jagger actually thought that that was funny and ended up Agreeing to do it for one dollar once word got around that the Rolling Stones were doing the I want my MTV commercial Everybody else was clamoring to get involved with MTV when it comes to getting on MTV It was a little bit difficult for some people including dire straits they actually weren't big fans of MTV but their lead singer was inspired to write a song called money for nothing after witnessing a guy who was commenting on what he saw on a row of televisions that were playing MTV in a store. The opening line, I want my MTV, which sounds awfully familiar, was sung by the lead singer, and when it got to MTV, they loved it so much they asked for a music video because it's what they were looking for. And Dire Straits record company had nothing. They knew that they did not want to be involved in making music videos. but. In the end, a director pitched the idea of a music video that used computer animations that was meshed with the band playing on top of each other. They hated the idea, but eventually just agreed that the final video would be one of the first to use computer animated characters and then went for it anyway. Money for Nothing ended up dominating the charts in 1985 and was what broke dire straits into the American industry. When MTV launched in Europe in 1987, Money for Nothing was the first video actually played. Now this part in the story specifically leads right into a band that we are definitely gonna talk about a little bit later on in the podcast. And we're gonna talk about Guns N' Roses and how MTV saved the band. So, Appetite for Destruction was one of their albums and it was considered a major flop. It did not sell a lot. It only sold around 200,000 copies in months after its release in 1987. And their record label, Geffen Records, was actually about to pull the plug on the band. They were done with it. Guns N' Roses was not performing at the needs that it needed to in order to be successful in the record label's eyes, and they told one of the managers they were about to cut them. One of the managers was extremely desperate and was essentially begging to create some sort of plan to save this band's career. And they asked what they could do to turn around the fate, we're just bouncing ideas off of each other, and how to save Guns N' Roses. And eventually they landed on trying to figure out how to get MTV to play the video for Welcome to the Jungle. Geffen ended up calling in a few favors and granted the wish but the catch was that MTV wasn't super excited about playing this video and guess what you only had one opportunity to play this video and that would be at 4 a.m on a Sunday night. And this time period was actually picked very specifically because one of the executives in MTV at the time didn't even want the video to play. And so someone a little bit on the lower end of the executive board was willing to push this video through because they believed in Guns N' Roses and they really liked the music video. And so they said, you know what? It's 1 a.m. in LA. And 4 a.m. in New York City, odds are nobody watching this music video is going to know the guy, the one guy in the entire company that could really get me in some major trouble for playing this music video. And so at 4 a.m. on a Sunday night, Guns N' Roses' Welcome to the Jungle ended up playing. And as soon as that video finished playing, the MTV switchboard was flooded with over- 10,000 phone calls that ended up melting and crashing their system and because of that crazy response that wasn't even supposed to be garnered in the first place, Welcome to the Jungle was completely added to the MTV playlist and they made a commitment to play every single one of the band's new videos from that point on. And sales for Appetite for Destruction began to double overnight, then triple and Guns N' Roses became one of the biggest bands in the world because of a Hail Mary, last second, Sunday night, 4 a.m. music video run. Another interesting note about Michael Jackson, so we know that he really kind of popped off when it came to MTV and the release of Thriller, but something very interesting at this point was after Thriller was a major success on MTV, MTV still really ruled the roost when it came to music publishing and music videos and music content as a whole. Michael Jackson actually got his nickname the King of Pop because of his memo that he ended up sending to MTV in 1991. In the memo Michael Jackson literally demanded that all of the VJs and video jockeys on MTV refer to him as the king of pop. Jackson ended up claiming that the network really owed him a ton of gratitude for his role in helping build the music channel's reputation, but it also served as a demand for an apology for the days that they refused to play his music videos early on in MTV's career. The video jockeys were at that point required to call Michael Jackson the King of Pop at least twice a week in the lead up to the release of his new song, Black or White. And the nickname, the King of Pop, was dubbed to Michael Jackson literally himself because record executives ended up claiming that Jackson called them one day and straight up asked why he didn't have a nickname like the boss or the king, someone who we very recently talked about. And executives said, well, Bruce Springsteen is the boss and Elvis is the king. And so Jackson went right around, hired a publicist without notifying his record label at the time and issued a press release that anointed him as the king of pop, which is a label that he inherently designed himself. And when it comes to all of the interesting things about MTV, one of the greatest ironies of MTV is that it created the 24 hour music channel that showed nothing but music videos and then killed the music video. Between 1995 and 2000, MTV played 35% less music videos. And that number is probably even higher now. And MTV just really shoved all of their money into reality television. Music videos were just no longer the lifeblood of MTV. As of December 5th, 2016, MTV no longer airs any music video blocks. So it's just not even around to the point where even when I was growing up and MTV happened to be on one of the TVs, there were music videos playing up until very recently less than 10 years at this point, so it's really crazy to see how MTV's evolved and changed and really tackled this new sort of demographic in this way. Someone who, and a channel, who was so invested in the success and in the creation of music video and this new medium that surrounded it, they essentially made it obsolete. Post-2000, MTV struggled, and it continues to struggle. Its ratings have been failing, and younger viewers just have been drawn to digital media. 80% of American households still get MTV, but just not nearly as many people are watching it anymore. And recently they announced the launch of MTV Classic, which is a channel dedicated to the glory days of the broadcaster to celebrate its recent 35th birthday and reminisce about the 1980s. They are still dedicating themselves to that reality television mark. So now that a current real trend in PR, marketing, music, and pop culture as a whole is this essence and this take on nostalgia. And what we're finding is that nostalgia works no matter what. And so to see that MTV is literally putting out a channel dedicated to its glory days, dedicated to early MTV, I think it's interesting to really watch and see if MTV will ever end up going back to the glory days and to the original essence of what music television really is. Overall, the launch and the history of MTV has just really had a significant impact on popular culture over the past four decades. It revolutionized the music industry by making music videos a central part of cultural conversation and it paved the way for other channels and other mediums to just follow suit. The channel's early years were defined by video jockeys and icons who shaped our culture in their own right in a creative way. And as the channel evolved, it just continued to push boundaries experiment with new formats, genres, and even developed a nuanced stance on reality TV. Today, although MTV is not nearly the powerhouse as it used to be, it still remains a cultural institution that continues to shape the way that we consume media, and it has a impact on popular culture that is undeniable. It has left a mark on the entirety of the entertainment industry, and especially world of music and has gifted us with some of the coolest bands and musicians of all time. As we look to the future, it's really going to be interesting to see how MTV is going to continue to evolve and adapt to changing times, changing culture, changing media, and ultimately changing music. And guys, that concludes another episode of the mixtape. I'm so glad that you guys were able to join me today. We were able to explore the groundbreaking launch of MTV and its impact on music, culture, media, and all of our lives. As always, I totally invite you to join the conversation, share your thoughts on each episode, let me know if you guys have any related stories to MTV or any topics that you want me to cover. Head on over to miasmixtape.com to leave a comment follow us on all our social media, look at our blog, and stay up to date on all of our latest news and episodes. And if you love the mixtape as much as I do, don't forget to even check out our merchandise. We have everything that you need to show your love for our podcast and the music that inspires it. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the mixtape. Until then, don't stop rocking.
0: And that's That's a wrap wrap on another episode of of The the Mixtape. Mixtape. We hope you've enjoyed the ride and discovered some new tunes along the way. Don't forget to follow us on all our socials to stay updated on future episodes and join in on the conversation. Until next time, keep the music playing and never stop rocking.